Season one of the Building a Vibrant Community podcast is sponsored by a grant from Southern SARE, Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education. Welcome to the Building a Vibrant Community podcast, where we help people discover new ways to make their communities vibrant communities. Welcome to the podcast. I'm James Barnes, your host, along with my co-host, Rachel Carter. Hey. And Lauren Colby-Nichols. Hey, y'all. Guys, we have someone very special today, Hamp Beatty. He works for Mississippi State University Extension, and Hamp does a lot of counseling with small businesses. He helps them through a lot of difficulties, has a wealth of knowledge. I'm looking forward to the interview. Elsie, what are you looking forward to hearing from Hamp? Oh, man, everything. Um, His workshops pretty much just hit on how to start a small business, why they fail, what to do if, you know, something arises, how to go about starting your financial plan and your business plan, everything. I want to hear it all. Well, I'm excited because I I get to work closely with Hamp, and I know that he has helped everybody from somebody wanting to start a daycare or wanting to create a syrup business. So I know he's going to have a wealth of knowledge for us. And I'm really curious about some of the things in his background as a public servant. Uh, He's worked with small businesses for many, many years, but um, I did not know that he was a mayor. And so we're going to learn more about that, how he got into that, and how that's helped him work with small businesses over the years. So we're excited. Let's not wait any longer. Let's get into our interview with Hamp Beatty. Hamp Beatty, welcome to the podcast. Dr. Barnes, pleasure to be here. We are excited to ask you tons of questions today about your work with small businesses. We, we know that you do a lot of work with them in the state, and we have tons of questions. I know Rachel has hers. Elsie has hers. We, we've all got a bunch for you. Are you ready for those? You're on the hot seat today. Let's go. All right. So uh, first, tell us a little bit about the work that you do in extension with small businesses. Well, um, actually, I do two things. Uh, I work for the Center for Government and Community Development, and uh, primarily I work with small businesses, uh, those our, our individuals who are think, thinking about starting a small business and sometimes with people who are already in business. Um, I also do sometimes, I uh, work with the Municipal Association and Municipalities on public policy stuff as it pertains to sometimes business-related things, um, taxes, stuff like that. Now, I read on your bio on the website that you were a mayor for 13 years? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a year and a half of an unexpired term. Uh, when Terry Burton, I'm from Newton, Terry Burton got elected to the state senate, and then I served three full terms after that. What got you interested to become mayor? It was just in my blood. My dad had been mayor, and had been, you know, been around. Uh, but people, uh, my dad had been in public service, an elected official, and um, I don't know. It was just, um, just I guess, a desire to, to serve and, and make my town and see the best it could, you know, could be. Work with other people and try to. Promote you know, city of Newton. Yeah, and it, it seems like uh, a lot of people get curious in a topic. They get curious in a, in a question that they have, how to do something. There, there's a curiosity there, and so I, I'm just curious. You know, as, as you look back in the things that you've done with small businesses, when did you get interested in helping businesses? When when did that first take place? When did you first think, man, this is something I want to do? Well. It was, uh, there's a, I won't say organic, that's a, a new term, but the, one of the buzz for is organic. <laughs> but uh, it uh, it started years ago, uh, really in a two-fold way. Um, part of my job as a public official, as, the, as a mayor of a small town, 
just to promote my family. So prom promoting retail business was something that that um, would would help the city of Newton uh, to bring people in, you know, bring, create retail sales, and sales tax, that kind of stuff. And the other thing was that, uh, and I, I had and still own a business in Newton uh, uh, that has have some rental properties and um, commercial rental properties. And so, when I was not mayor, I was it was vitally important for me to promote and recruit businesses to our our center and to Newton because that, as as the city did better, our our business did better. So I mean, it was a thing where we wanted to promote the retail base. And, um, and and the things, the prosperity and, and the, the good stuff that would come along with that. So I, I've been trying to promote and, and, and initiate and, and get businesses to come, particularly to Newton, Mississippi, for, for you know for a long time. I mean, it was it's kind of it was necessity. I mean, some places grow. I'll use that term again. Organic and Starkville grows organically, so it's a college, a fast-growing college town. And other places right. like Olive Branch and South Haven and Madison. And, Gulf, you know, Gulfport, Hattiesburg, places like that. But other smaller places have to push it. They have to, you know, they have to really get out and sometimes and hustle to, to get businesses to, to look at them, particularly the, the, the national businesses and things. And so uh, that's part of what I just learned to do. It was just something that, that somebody had to do it, and, and it was it was something that needed to be done in Newton at the time. Do you, do you as you look back on the work that you did there in Newton, um, what, what was the most uh, challenging part of, of getting everybody on the same page, or was it uh, was it the incentives that need to be changed, or was it what, what what was the biggest thing you tried to work on? You know, uh, people were open and receptive to growth. Of course, new industries that, that came to town and created uh, you know good jobs and things, and people in that area were 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 open to to business development and. Um, I, I never, I, I don't, I, I never had any pushback, particularly, you know, in trying to recruit business. I mean, I people when, when Walmart, we were recruiting Walmart to Newton for the first well, initially. Um, there was some hesitancy about what Walmart, how they would change the landscape, business landscape, and change the game, so to speak, you know. And they do and have, but in the end, that I think people in, in our town and in our area got on board and realized that okay. We're going to have Walmart here pulling business into this town, or we're going to have a Walmart in every direction, 25, 20 miles from us, in every direction pulling away from us. So we, you know, we, we embraced bringing Walmart to Newton, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's been, a, I think, a, a tremendous, created a tremendous economic plus for Newton over the years, and, and my dozen most, and most all towns where they're located, all towns where they're located. Yeah, and it seems like in any of those kinds of efforts, you, you typically have one or two, maybe three really core businesses, maybe even larger businesses in the community that help champion that kind of thing. Did you have that kind of support, or did you have to really work with a lot, all the smaller ones? Well, in, in there, there again, I mean, Walmart, I, I can remember that they wanted to keep their project as quiet as possible, you know. And uh, for, and most, most particularly national businesses that are local and located in town want to get all their homework done and get their sites determine where the site's going to be in the site plan, that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like there was this big collective effort of the business community to, to recruit Walmart or anything. There were rumors and talk about, you know, Newton was big enough and it was sitting down there in a, in a market trade area with, you know, the, where the potential was there. But there, there wasn't just a, a big collective effort. And, um, you know, it just, um, I won't say I was going it alone, but at the same time it was something that we felt like that was going to be good for our business, you know, 
you know, particularly, and also it would be good for, for the city of Newton for that for the retail market here. So I just I got him waiting in with both feet to try to, to probably bring me Newton. So Hemp, you said that um, you own some rental properties in Newton. Are there other businesses that you've launched and managed over the years? Uh, Lauren, I had a, a, a property and casual insurance agency, um, and was and still a licensed insurance agent. But uh, I've sold uh, property and casual insurance, full lines insurance of uh, insurance, personal and business insurance for a number of years. And so uh, I bought an insurance agency and we ran it and and then sold it in 2003. Fine. What was the most um, probably difficult part about running your own businesses while you were juggling all that personally? Um, the, I think the, one of the toughest things in, a, in a, any type of business, uh, an insurance agency is a service business. I know you're, you're selling a product, but it's, it's, a, it's an intangible product. It's an, it's an, it's an, it is intangible until there's a, a claim, and then it becomes tangible. Yes, it does. <laughs> but, uh, you know, recruiting the right companies that, that fit uh, for our part of the state and for our, our market base and for the customer base there. I mean, that, that was difficult in convincing them that, that our area of the state was a good place to do business. And then convincing the customers that to, to, you know, to, to purchase from us and come into our business and everything. I mean, every, every day in a small business that, that you operate, it, it's, it's rewarding and it also has a challenge. Every time you, you open and unlock the doors, there's, there's a new challenge every day. And, and your competition makes it that way and, 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 and economic factors make it that way but that's what makes you better I think is the fact that you have to stay on your toes and you have to know your stuff well um, in the United States in 95% of businesses started fail why, why does that happen because I know we, we in extension we want our businesses that if we encourage someone to start a business and someone jumps out there trying to make their community better um, why, why do they sometimes fail Several factors uh, that I think are all I would suggest. One, that sometimes a business idea may not be suited for the place where it's where, that, where people want to open that business. Sometimes just, you know, there's just not sufficient demand for, for the product or service. Uh, sometimes in uh, the planning process, everybody talks about a business plan now, and business plans are popular in the, the popularity of doing it, but, but they do have a purpose. Um, and the, one of the purposes is that it makes people, it forces people to put their thoughts and ideas on paper. And when you do that, sometimes things that you, I mean, a lot of times your business plan, your business idea looks good, and it looks good when you put it on paper. But sometimes if, you, if you're really conservative or you use real, you know, you, you've got your numbers right and everything, sometimes it gives you a, a, a chance to say, okay, maybe I need to take a second look at this. And, and, and so the lack of preparation of a, of a business performer or, or financial uh, plan or business plan sometimes will, will trip up a business or get them in, in, you know, get them in trouble after they open up because there's things they hadn't thought about that are going to come up inevitably in that business. And if they hadn't kind of planned it or, or looked at it or thought about it on the front end, it's going to give them problems. The other thing, third thing I'd say is lack of capital. And that doesn't mean the, the, the money to buy the stuff. You know, most people that, that start a business have to put some of their own money in the business. And they have to have the ability to borrow, you know, get uh, secure most of their funding uh, through a, you know, a financial institution. Um, and um, in the part of borrowing the money and getting enough money together to build to, to put in the business, a lot of times people leave out 
the working capital part of it, which is the, the money that you operate on after you start your business. And so a lot of small businesses that you were talking about that fail, don't fail because it's not a good business idea and they weren't going to make it. They simply run out of money and they have to close their doors before they can kind of get over the hump or get past that initial you know, um, phase of their business. What are the, some of the things that you do to help business owners avoid failure and, and to plan for some of these pitfalls? Because I know you're such a valuable resource um, for our state. We, I, I try to get people to look at what they're going to do objectively and, and, and to put, like I said, when we talked about a business plan, get it to kind of put the things that they're thinking about doing, putting it down and, look, and, 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 and you know, starting to look at it and analyze it and be objective about what they're going to do. And then to do some business, some projections on particular cash flow of how much income and ex, you know, what your income expenses are going to be and what your what your, your month-to-month cash flow is going to look like. And um, just to use very conservative numbers on, on income estimates. A lot of folks, and if you, if you overblow your income estimates, that'll get you in trouble quicker than anything else. Most of the, most of the expenses that a business is going to will incur businesses will incur you can call and find out what utility costs are going to be you can call the insurance agent and find out what your insurance is going to be a lot of those stuff you can get the exact pretty much get pretty much on the number on that what your what your debt service what your loan payment is going to be and things the the big unknown is what your sales are going to be and you can do you can you can pay for market studies but market studies tell you how many potential people there are and how much Rachel, you know how much potential business there, dollars there are in a in a retail potential or in a given retail market, um, but quantifying or transferring translating that into how much you're actually you can capture that and what you can consider to be conservative reasonable estimates of sales is is another thing that's hard to do sometimes. How do you, how do you take someone who is not objective? I mean, this is their baby, right, Hamp? I mean, this is incredibly difficult because they've hatched this idea. They may have already invested a little bit of money. Uh, they're kind of committed to it. How, how do you get them to to be more objective about it? Do you point out some things about the sales that may or may not look solid? Or what do you do? How do you counsel them through that? Well, would never want to just burst somebody's bubble about their business idea. But what we want to do is, is um, talk to people about being realistic about the time commitments, the, f- the financial part of you know how much it's going to cost to, to finance the business, um, and 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 what on a cons- very on a conservative basis what they could reasonably expect in, in revenue from this business once it starts to open and and going through a, a period when it first opens when. Maybe people don't knock the doors down coming in. You know, you get to build the business, and and if and, and, and if it takes a year to build a business, a year and a half, something like that, can you survive through that first phase of that business where um, where sales are not sufficient to meet expenses? And that's where that working capital thing comes in. Uh, it, it, that's that's what keeps a business open until they can turn the turn the corner. And uh, but just just getting people to be realistic about what they're going to do. Um, I, I mean, I. I want to be the person that um, that helps people to get beyond having a cup of coffee in the morning in their kitchen when the sun's coming through the window and the birds are singing and you think about this idea and it may, it may be a good idea but what what I try to get through is people to do is get to the point where they look at it on paper 
to see, you know, and look at those numbers and, and, and go back the next day and look at them again, that kind of thing, and, and to determine ahead of time before they borrow money, before they make financial commitments and stuff, is this something that I want to do? Is this, you know, is it something I can afford to do? And is, something, does, is it something that will have potential to make enough income and enough return on this investment, this money I'm putting into it, to be worth my while? Yeah. You know, we, we often think about um, problems as frequently asked questions almost. And, and I'm just wondering, over the, over the years of you being mayor and working with businesses, owning your own business, is there a, a most common problem that you see? Like when you go out to work with businesses, they say, hey, Hamp, here's my question. I mean, is, is there one thing that always comes up, do you think, top of the list? Access to capital. It's always capital. Well, I mean, it's that's the thing that, that either gets a business gets open or doesn't get open based on the, of the person or the the part the people involved in the business start the startup or expansion or little business their ability to to, act, to access capital to do what they what they want to do. I mean, that that's almost universal. So you, if they've got a completed business plan, they've got something they can go shop for capital, right? Yeah, that's the other part of what the business plan does, besides being a, a I don't know, or not say reality check, but at least a, a way for a person to, to, to be objective and look objective what they're going to do. It tells a lender. It get pay, it, 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 it's a snapshot of what you're going to do. And people, th- when you think about this, uh, lenders, bankers, financial people, look at all different kinds of business plans and business ideas and things. And so... They need all of the education on the front end about what you're going to do as, as they possibly can get. And um, they're going to make be making a decision. You know, they're going to take it to a loan committee. Uh, they, they, want, they want to make loans on businesses that are going to, you know, service debt on those loans. In other words, they don't, they don't want to take your collateral after you fail in a business. I mean, that's, they're, they're going to ask for collateral. They're going to take it. I mean, they're going to hold collateral and they're going to hold first lien on your, on the, on your property and, that business loan stuff, but um, what they want to do is they want to make you a loan to be your partner, and you, for you to be successful and make those those payments every month, and and both and everybody succeed. You know, you succeed in the business, and then make some money on you. So they want they're they're looking to do that, and they're looking to see if that business idea, particularly if you're a startup business, has potential to be a long term profitable business. Yeah, I mean, they want to make their rate of return back, too, plus some, right? And, I mean, they can, even though they've got, I say that the collateral is sufficient, and the collateral is something that they, they like, like real estate or something, you know, that kind of thing. They still don't want to have to liquidate property to, to, to pay off their, the loan if the person goes out of business. That's not what they want to do. So um, they're looking for, they, they look very carefully at what people, and they, look, and they may ask people where they got their numbers, the, those sales figures from and stuff. That's, that's a tricky thing. How do you come up with those sales figures? To plug in, because you just can't pull them out of the air. You've got to have some basis, and they'll they, even if they don't ask you, they're gonna wonder where you got your sales figures from, and they probably will ask. So one of the best things they can do is make sure it's realistic as a sales estimate, but also grounded somehow in reality. You came up with that number. Absolutely. So, Hamp, you've mentioned um, the challenges and, and things that are rewarding, but is there anything specific that you've experienced that's just gratifying to you when you help new businesses? Something that you just are pleased to see, Lauren, to see one get open and um, and do well and survive that opening phase. New businesses come here. First two or three years, people 
the coverage dogs for, for the game day and for the MSU security most wonderful places to stay in the past. We want to do that also time for people live here. It's a balancing act. To get to realize or to realize that it's just a great opportunity for me. And the people I serve with on the board and our mayor are just first class Hamp Betty, a wealth of knowledge about small business and how to grow one, how to start one. Uh, you know all the stresses that come from launching one and growing one. Uh, we've got listeners who have a food business or otherwise a business. If they wanted some counsel from you, how is the best way they can get a hold of you? A um, couple of ways. Um, and they, you can go to Extension's website, and there's uh, if you go down, I think it's to Community Development, Small Business, on the box, it will have some information about me and about, um, there's a, what do you call that? The, um, in, in, the little, Directory. I mean, yes. But uh, the best way to reach me would be my email address, which is h.batty, my last name, B-E-A-T-T-Y, at msstate.edu. That's the email address, and then my direct telephone number into my office at Mississippi State at the Extension Services is 662-325-7367. Also, the direct, the number to our receptionist in our offices uh, at the Center for Government Community Development is 662-325-3181. 3141. 3141. 3141. And you, and you offer more than one type of workshop. Can you tell us just a little bit about those workshops so people can plug into those? The, the main the, uh, the workshop I do the most is called The Basics. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a basic nuts and bolts, a how-to start a small business workshop. And uh, it's, it's real informal. And, and I, I host a I have one at, at the uh, East Mississippi Community College uh, West Point branch once a month on second Thursday of the month at two in the afternoon, and uh, on, upon request, we'll, we'll come present this uh, at you know extension offices or chambers of commerce or where anybody that would, would would like this. But it's it's uh, it's for people who are thinking about starting a small business and just have kind of have some ideas rolling around their head and but want to kind of start to focus. And what I do is I go through the basic steps of how to start a small business. The, the other program that I've done and I've done for Rachel in a, a couple of times, I think, is uh, is how to and the borrow money. You know, to going through the different how you know what lenders are looking for. Who are the different types of lenders? You know, you got you got um, financial institutions. Uh, you know, their uh, angel networks and and, and equity. For, you know. Play, uh, investors who are looking to put to invest in businesses, startups, and things. Um, uh, different ways to the U.S. Small Business Administration. There, there are different ways to to finance or fund a small business, and, and I go try to go through some of those and I and talk about what they're looking for and and their and their requirements and things. Then I go you know talk about maybe a, a couple of actual loans that were made and what 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 the lender was looking for. You know, and uh, but. Uh, those are two that I do most often. If you're a small business owner, uh, borrowing money can be a complex issue. Uh, starting a business in general can be. Growing a business can be. Certainly scaling it, growing it can be. If that is you, you need to talk to Hamp Beatty at Mississippi State University. Works for Extension. Uh, reach out to him. He's going to give you some counsel that's going to be solid and 
Hamp, we really, really appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing the wisdom, and we're, and we're glad to get to know you even more. Dr. Forrest, thanks for having me today. Good to have you. Thanks, Hamp. Thank you, Hamp. Thanks, Hamp. What a great interview with Hamp Beatty. He is such a wealth of knowledge here at the university. He knows it all. I love Hamp. Yeah, Hamp is, is such a resource when, whenever we work with communities um, because he can take things to, to the next level. You know, we community development, we do a lot of market analysis and studies and things like that. And um, Hamp takes that information and shows those communities and small businesses how you can use that information to your advantage and to be successful. Yeah, I think most of it's because he's been there. He's owned his rental properties in Newton, stopped to be the mayor, then started his insurance business, then started helping others with their businesses. Yeah, and he got really he got really put into that position as mayor to promote everybody, mm-hmm. to promote all the businesses. So how do we all win? And then those lessons translate into individual businesses, which he's had. He's owned and operated a business since 1985. So the guy knows the problems that a business faces. He knows the stresses that come with it. And I thought one of the most interesting things he pointed out was the most common question is, or problem that people face is just access to capital. You know, having enough money to really start it and get it off the ground long enough so it makes it through that two, three-year window to be successful. And then the lack of a business plan when people just don't have it together. I was really impressed with how much he promoted having a written idea on a a business plan. Yeah, and being not – he really promotes being objective and realistic about the sales numbers Mm -hmm. that are in that business plan because, like he said, you can do a quick calculation on a lot of costs that you're going to face. But how do you come up with sales, Rachel? I mean, how do you you estimate it when we're talking about a new product you have no basis for? And so that's where you get into your market studies, and there's a lot of other things that, that he helps them with. And it's just a wealth of knowledge that businesses need to take advantage of. Exactly. Yes, Hamp can. Hamp's got a lot of foundational knowledge and the knowledge where he's applied it. So I think a visit with with him would be incredibly beneficial to someone wanting to start a small business, or then maybe somebody who has a small business and they're getting ready to seek capital. You know, knowing how to approach that lender and give them the information they need to say yes, your your business is a good investment or a good risk for us. Well, it's, if you're a business owner and you're struggling with maybe looking at borrowing money to uh, launch your business, grow your business, uh, maybe you're just facing some financial stress, uh, you need to call Hamp Beatty. You need to get a hold of him, have him work with you one-on-one. He does that. Uh, Hamp works at Mississippi State University Extension. He works with small businesses. He has for many, many years. He is a wealth of knowledge, and we are very grateful that he was on the show. It was a good show, guys. It was great. It's great to talk to him. Well, we appreciate you listening, and we want to thank our sponsor, Southern Sayer, again, for sponsoring Season 1 of our podcast, and we hope to see you on the next one. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Building a Vibrant Community podcast, where we help people discover new ways to make their communities vibrant communities. Vibrant communities.